Every single day, it's uh, you got an opportunity to get better. Um, there's no staying the same. So you get better, you get worse. So for me, you know, I try to bring that that juice. You know, I not try. I, I bring that juice every single day. Um, and I want my teammates to feel that. And if I got to go out there and <laughs> take matters in my own hands, it's, you know, I could do it in a different way. So uh, that's what I try to do. You know, no matter what, I try to be the light, try to be the example in every single way I can. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. You just heard the talker, the disruptor, the provoker, the game wrecker. Max Crosby could do it all for the Raiders. Who said that? Well, our next guest, Gilbert Manzano, Monday Morning Quarterback, SI.com. has got a piece out right now that you need to check out about everything that I just broke down. And Gilbert, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Before we get into Max Crosby and the joint practices that you were at for the Raiders and the Rams and then the Chargers and uh, the Saints as well, how was it to be, uh, you know, at those joint practices back in Southern, L- uh, Southern California? A lot of the folks that you know from the Raiders beat and obviously a lot of folks that you know from the, the Rams and Chargers side of things as well. Yeah, it's been awesome to kind of reconnect with people. And, and I've been joking with everybody that, that I see. It's like, hey, uh, do not count on me being at the SoFi Stadium for the two preseason games because I don't need to watch preseason football when I'm here watching the joint scrimmages, seeing the starters like Jimmy G and Stafford and Carr and Herbert. So no need for me to be there Saturday and Sunday. And they kind of like laugh at me, uh, you know, trying to maybe do the big time thing at national. But I'm still the same person, and I just like to kind of get people uh, some uh, slack there. Well, with that being said, with the joint practices, we know that the coaches love those even more than the preseason games. How much work did you get to see between the two different joint practices that, that you were at? Like, how much work do you think got accomplished between those few days? Yeah, you know, uh, I thought it was pretty cool, uh, the first thought, the Rams and the Raiders, because sometimes, you know, you want to make sure everybody gets included. You know, so you do two fields and you have, you know, Jimmy G on one side against the first team defense with the, with the Rams, and you have a Stafford on, on the other side with the Raiders' first team defense. But I thought it was kind of cool when they, at the end of practice, they went on one field together, uh, you know, both sides, and it felt like a game-like setting. And I think that's what you want to simulate uh, in these joint scrimmages and, and more of a controlled environment. And, and, you know, you never know what can happen in preseason. And preseason is more for the players who are trying to make the roster or younger players, or, or sometimes you have a new coach, you want to get a feel for the play calling and things like that. But you know, I think these two squads just wanted to have something simulated uh, in Thousand Oaks. And when they went to the last field, like, you know, it's, it's tough to kind of manage everything and look at both sides who's doing what. But when they won in that one field and they're all together, and, and as you guys have been talking about, uh, Cam Akers and, and Max Crosby throwing, throwing a little fight there on the same field, that was easy to watch too as well. So I think that whole one field, all eyes on us, was a pretty good uh, uh, game-like setting. Well, Gilbert, I mean, you mentioned Max Crosby. Your piece that's out, uh, you know, about Max Crosby is fantastic. What did you see from him on Wednesday when the Raiders weren't really living up to their standard, their expectations for practice, and he kind of tried to stir things up? What did you see from Max? You know what's funny, Q? When I told my editor about doing a story on Max Crosby, that was, it was before the fight, and I was like, you know what, when they come out to L.A., I didn't really you know, get a chance to focus on the defense during my visit in uh, Henderson. I was more about Jimmy G and Josh Jacobs and, talking to Josh McDaniels, I'm like, okay, you know, they got this stud edge rusher, and it kind of reminds me of the days of Khalil Mack where the defense wasn't doing much, and we all know how that turned out. You know, what's going to happen with Max Crosby? Maybe it's a little different because he got his contract done a long time ago, or I guess two years now, it feels like. But I wanted to see what are they doing different to make sure this premier edge rusher gets some good help. Uh, so I pitched it to my editor, and I started writing, and I kind of wanted to get a head start because I already went to Henderson. And then sure enough, the day Wednesday, uh, 
I got a lot more details on my story because of <laughs> what the fight occurred. And then Crosby just being so dominant on the field. I'm like, okay, this is why you come out to the event and, and kind of be there in person because you get more of the extra stuff, the more details uh, to be there in person. So I'm glad I was there. I had to change my story, but, you know, it made for so much of a better, better story. And, yeah, I, I think in the, for the first part, it was tough to kind of figure out because my story was about, okay, can Crosby get enough help this year to finally have a good defense? And then when he's doing everything in the joint practice, because he was so dominant to start off with, I'm like, okay, is it because maybe he's getting more help, you know, with the guys inside that he's getting a little more, you know, help on the on the edge on the right side that he's making these plays look pretty effortless? Or is it the same old same old where Max Crosby is doing everything? So that's kind of a tough thing to gauge. But then after the fight, he went to the sideline, and it kind of woke up everybody on the defense. The defense of line, like, uh, was getting some pressure, uh, moving the pocket in the interior. Some of these edges were helping out too as well. So uh, I, I called it a mind game that Max Crosby won because he motivated his teammates, and he was in the sideline. Like, like Cam Makers had to go to the locker room. He wasn't even on the field. So he was still in the sideline shouting uh, leadership and encouragement. And I think that's the other part of why Crosby is so valuable. He does everything – you know, from from the mental aspect to the leadership to providing that energy and then also backing up all the talk that he does because he's one of the best players in the NFL. So I think after that, you really saw the team really uh, rally around their, their leader there. Gilbert Manzano, Monday Morning Quarterback, SI.com, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. We talked a lot yesterday on the show in particular about the standard and the culture changing for the Raiders, and you've been on the beat for the Raiders when they were here. You've seen them, obviously, from a national side of things as well. From what you were able to pick up, and I know it's not just a glaring, there's not a big sign that says, oh, hey, by the way, the standard's changing, but can you see glimpses of, yeah, the standard is different, led by Max Crosby? Yeah, you know, I think when a guy like that who's uh, you know, well-established and he's in the first of the line of every drill, uh, and he comes back to still you know, you know, shout words of encouragement and help out, I think, again, like it just sets the tone that if your best guy is also prime leadership, like there's no excuse not for you to bring it in. You know, I've asked a couple of people who cover the Raiders. I'm like, is this guy always like this every time? Like, even away from the, the football field, he's just that energetic. And people have told me, yes, that's the same guy. So <laughs> I think that 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 rubs off on 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 the teammates. And you know, when when a guy like Tyree Wilson, who has a lot of pressure as a first round pick, number seven overall, he hasn't played or even participated in the offseason program. And he has his first practice. Like that must be a really stressful stressful environment. And the first practice is a joint scrimmage against the Rams. So. I think there was a lot of eyes on him to see how he does, but I think he probably went up to him and said, hey, you know what, just take your time. You know, I was, you know, It's a different situation, but he was a fourth-round pick who had to kind of prove himself. Mm-hmm. It's probably not different for him being a first-round. you got to prove yourself regardless. So I think that goes a long way. And then, yeah, you get a guy like Tyree Wilson. Like You could have easily just said, you know what, we got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. If you're the Raiders, you know, let's focus somewhere else. But the more edge rushers you get – when you, in the NFL, when you have a lot of depth on the defensive line, that tends to be a good sign. Look at the Eagles; they got 70 sacks a year ago. <laughs> and I know Hassan Reddick is a, is a pretty good uh, edge rusher, but you don't think about him as a, like a premier elite guy. So it just tells you like depth is better than just having one guy doing everything. And that's kind of what it felt like with the Raiders. And now the, it's starting to feel like it's starting to be a little more balanced. Like all of a sudden, you know, Challenge Jones, you know, woke up last year and he's starting to kind of feel. You know, you know, I, I, I could still do a lot of it in the NFL, and then you have three guys, and then you think about like a guy like Marcus Epps from the Eagles. Like speaking about the Eagles in, at the safety position, helping out the guys in the secondary. So uh, overall, I think this defense, you know, should be better in terms of the guys they added in the draft and free agency. But again, you got to go out there and prove it sometimes too. 
Yeah, no, you really do, and I'm glad you brought up Marcus Sepps. And I do think that there's, you know, more talent on that defensive side of things, and they'll be better than they were. I just want to see how much better that they're going to be. I think they have a chance to be pretty nice. But Marcus Epps, I feel like not enough people are talking about him. What do you feel like he brings to this Raiders defense, especially with that, that uh, you know, that, that uh, leadership and also, you know, just the experience of playing in the Super Bowl a year ago? Yeah, I think that goes that goes a long way, and I, I even mentioned in my piece, uh, you know, a, a Robert Spillane, the, the linebacker from the Steelers, like 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 that matters. If you've been a part of a very uh, successful defense, and you kind of bring that energy to a new squad that's trying to get there, I think that matters. And you know, Marcus Epps, uh, he was a quality safety in a very loaded secondary uh, a year ago with some good corners and Darius Slay, and, and C.J. Garner Johnson was still out there before he went to the Lions. So. You know, he got the, you know, he had a fight for some snaps there. So he has that kind of, that pedigree too. And then to kind of just see how it looks, I think that, that just goes a long way. And, 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 and I know everybody's talking about bringing in guys who know McDaniel's team and that's more on the offensive side, it feels like. But bringing in guys who've done it before and in other places, I, I think bowls well. So even a guy like, like Trayvon Morey, like a, a young safety, I'm sure that's rubbing off on him. Even a guy like bringing like Marcus Peters, who's who's been in, in the Super Bowl or played well with the Rams and the Ravens and the Chiefs, like that also rubs off on you. And, and Marcus Peters, kind of that uh, that same kind of demeanor of Crosby, like always be relentless, competitive. So I think you have all those personalities and experiences before you're trying to make a mesh with the Raiders. So that could be the issue there, kind of making all these moving parts work for Pat, Patrick Graham. But the other part too, cue from talking to Josh McDaniels, like. Hey, like it's year two for these guys. I, th- I think that's going to actually help out. Like you're not having to l- learn a new language or a scheme uh, going into year two for some of these guys. Yeah, they have some new guys with the first first year with the Raiders, but they have experience that maybe it's an easier uh, transition for them. You know, going back to Max Crosby real quick in the piece that you wrote, what do you think his ceiling is, right? I mean, it feels like a guy like that doesn't really have one, but what do you think? He had 12 and a half sacks, a bunch of pressures last year. Uh, he filled up the stat sheet. What do you think his, this guy's ceiling is? Yeah, you know, you know, I think I wrote and and, and had to catch myself before I started the debate, but I wrote like he, he's been pretty good, like even to the point where you can make an argument that he's been as good as Nick Bosa. And I know with with, with uh, Nick Bosa, you know, he missed that that one year in the second year. So when you compare the stats, or they're they're kind of you know not too far off, uh, you know. But that's because Bosa missed that year. So, but I, but I still feel like if you even look at last year, like you, know, you could be like, you know what, he's making a pretty strong case for being defensive player of the year. But then he's going to forget. He gets forgotten about because you still have Michael Parsons out there, or even mm-hmm. Hassan Redder, like I mentioned, on a good defense. So I, I think, you know, having a very good top defense is going to help put more attention on Max Crosby because, like, you know, I don't know because a fight happened or whatever, but he's getting more attention. I feel like this year, and even you see in the top 100 out there where he was, it was pretty high this year yeah. uh, for Max Crosby. So he's getting attention. Uh, people, he's not just a guy who has the relentless motor. He's like the guy who's actually an elite edge rusher, and I think he's very good. Uh, you know, one of, one of the best sack artists in the game, and he does more than just that, which, you know, which is the way I wanted to write the story. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, if he's like you know, in the top five of being an edge rusher for the next, you know, five, four years, whatever it is, that does not surprise me at all. And I think he deserves, deserves to get more recognition, like a Michael Parsons or, or a Nick Bosa. So I think he's been, you know, I'm not saying he's been better than those guys, but he's been pretty good up to that level where it's time to kind of recognize that guy when it comes to, you know, first team all pro honors or even defensive player of the year. Yeah, and I, I I keep saying that I think he'll be in that defensive player of the year conversation if the Raiders win more games, right? I mean, they just yeah, gotta yeah. they gotta win more games. If you win 
10, 11, 12 games, then, hey, what's going on over there? And, you know, go back to 2016 when Khalil Mack won the, uh, won the Defensive Player of the Year. Where'd they go? 12-4 and four that year, I believe. So you got to win games at the end of the day to get that kind of recognition. Yeah, no, I agree. And even that year, you look at the stats, the Raiders' defense wasn't that great. Right. Uh, it was, you know, it, it, but it was because they, they went to the playoffs. And, I, and if you go to the playoffs and become a wildcard wild team, and I, I think that was a game where Derek Carr got hurt and didn't go well against Texas. Yeah. I forget what, what, uh, but yeah, I remember yeah, that one. Happy that. <laughs> yeah, I, rem- yeah. I remember I, that sure one, I, Gilbert. Raider fans are like, yeah, we remember that one. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, and it kind of fell down after the, the car injury. But, you know, just ha- just having and being in big-time games and being taken seriously, that does help out when it comes to the awards. Maybe it shouldn't because, uh, you know, you know the most valuable award. Like it says, like the MVP, but we kind of just focus on, on the player on the best team with a lot of good players next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it's always kind of a strange dynamic there, but you do get more recognition. and. But again, you know, I mean, with with the Raiders, if you, like I started going back to the numbers just to see when was like the last time they actually had a good defense and 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 and, and yards or points allowed or, or takeaways, and you know, you have to go really back, like even before the days of Kilo Mag, like even that year that they won, or that he won the defensive player of the year, they weren't they weren't really good as a as a collective unit, right? But he was such a dominant force. Where I think Khalil Mack at that point was like Aaron Donald, where like you don't even have to turn on the tape. We all know he's really good. And who knows? Maybe, maybe when you're talking about ceiling, maybe I guess to a point where Crosby is kind of like talked about that, where we're like, we don't need to watch a film. <laughs> Let's just all assume, which is kind of a terrible way to vote, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, like Aaron Donald last year, like he missed like ten games, but we all still consider him the best even to tackle because of his resume. So I think at some point, you know, maybe Crosby could touch that kind of rare air of knowing that even though you're not playing or we're not watching you on the daily, we know you're bringing it. There's no doubt. Gilbert Manzano, Monday Morning Quarterback, SI.com, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Necessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. You were also there with the Chargers and the Saints. You saw Derek Carr. But I want to focus in on the Chargers. Obviously, an AFC West opponent for the Silver and Black. They've got a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. What have you seen or what did you see from the Chargers uh, while you were there at camp with them? Yeah, you know, the Chargers are, are – I don't know if it's maybe unfair because I, I know a lot about the Chargers, but – Every time I write about them this summer, I always find myself saying, okay, they're really good, they're loaded, but enough is enough. At some point, you got to do something and show me that you're more than just hype. And I'm sure, uh, you know, Chargers fans or, or people from the organization are tired of me writing that. But it's like, it's kind of like a now or never mindset. Like, you don't, you don't know what, ha- like, speaking about Khalil Mack, you don't know if Khalil Mack would be around next year. You don't know about Keenan Allen. You don't know about Austin Eckler, who was requesting a trade. You don't even know about the head coach and Brandon Staley being around, or even the GM Tom Telesco has been around uh, ten years now. Like you know, it kind of feels like everybody's gotten a lot of opportunities to make it work here. And when you have a Justin Herbert and you have Mike Williams, you even have a first-round pick that's doing well, Quentin Johnson, uh, you know, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, J.C. Jackson. I could keep going on and on. At some point, you cannot be the team that's losing a heartbreaker in Las Vegas in Week 18 or the wild card in Jacksonville. So. To me, they're stacked. They're loaded. I do have some concerns about maybe their uh, their defense because they always get to a slow start. But I saw enough promise a year ago to say that could carry over to 2023. But at some point, you can't be the team that falls short. Yeah, I agree. It's it's every year, right? Oh, the Chargers this, Chargers that, and somehow. 
Well, it just doesn't end up that. And the last thing I remember from the Chargers is what you mentioned, being up 27 yeah. nothing to the Jacksonville Jaguars and losing in a playoff game, which it should be, I think, 100% unacceptable. That should be a fireable offense. But, again, that's just me. Gilbert, we'll get you out on this. The Denver Broncos, Sean Payton's the head coach there now. Uh, obviously, job number one is to get Russell Wilson right. Do you think that he can quickly turn this thing around there in Denver? Yeah, it's tough because you know I've gotten to this point of, of, of training camp where like I don't want to fall for the, the 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 positivity, the optimism that everybody has this time of year. And I think with Sean Payton, you know Sean Payton bringing that that no nonsense tolerance, you start thinking like, okay, man, that's what Russell Wilson needed. Like, you know what? Yeah, he he was kind of on a on a high horse, no pun there, with the Broncos uh, <laughs> because coming from Seattle and doing so much, getting that massive contract, and he probably felt like, you know what, my way is the best way. And sometimes you kind of get lost about the team aspect. And I'm, you know, it's probably unfair to say that, but I think having Sean Payton kind of you know say, you know what, let's go back to his old school mindset, could help. And then you see the preseason game in Arizona a week ago, and, and you see, oh, there's still. A, ways to go to get it going like just having Sean Payton's no nonsense voice is not going to help his offense bounce back and 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 what Sean Payton said about Nathaniel Hackett was was maybe uncalled for and he's apologized ever since then but there's more that goes to it and it's not just one bad voice or one good voice that's going to change everything it's a whole collective unit around the team and now I'm starting to sound like a cliche, like, like the coaches say, you know, it's all, it's all these moving parts that make it work, but it just feels like the Broncos and Russell Wilson have a long way to go. But I'll, I'll say this, like if Cortland Sutton is healthy and he does kind of the Mike Thomas role that Sean Payton had for so many years in New Orleans, and then you have a Jerry Judy who maybe finally puts it together, like that's a good starting point. You have two really good wide receivers. Uh, we, we'll see if, if the offensive line holds up. I know Mike McGlinchey had an injury, but I think he might be back soon or maybe he is, I forget. But, you know, and even the defense is really good. I don't have a new D.C. Like, like when you change D.C., that could, that could also affect you. But I think having those talented roster players and maybe having that one new voice, it could go a long, long way. But I feel like, you know, it's going to come down to Russell Wilson. you got to figure that out. you got to get out of your head. you got to make these plays uh, and play a little faster. And we'll see how he does with, with the scheme. But I, I just feel like that preseason game. And, again, you don't want to overreact in the preseason game. But it feels like they still have a long way to go. But it is kind of some progress there. Yeah, I feel like they have a good coach, right? And I just I don't think it's going to get turned around overnight. But that's you know kind of what they expected, I believe, when they hired Sean Payton. I thought that's what the Chargers should have done is immediately hire Sean Payton. They didn't, and I think the Broncos benefit from the fact that they didn't. Well, Gilbert, fantastic stuff as always. Again, your piece out on Max Crosby, talker, dis- disruptor, provoker, game wrecker. Max Crosby can do it all for the Raiders, and he does. Uh, that's That piece is out right now, MondayMorningQuarterbackSI.com. What else are you working on, Gilbert, that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I'm actually right now uh, wrapping up my 10 things that I learned during my NFL training camp tour. You know, I visited with nine teams, five different states, so I'm done with the tour. I've done the scrimmages and all that, so I wanted to kind of, you know, just write one thing I learned. Like, the most thing that, the thing that sticks out the most to me from all nine stops, but, you know, obviously with a bonus one with the 10, uh, so that'll be out sometime next week. And I think even right now, I just released a piece on Michael Thomas and Derek Carr connection. So for the Raider fans who are interested in, in Derek Carr's second place, uh, go ahead and check that out. There you go. Good stuff as always, my man. Great stuff with Max Crosby on that piece that you put out. And thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Oh, thank you, Q. Appreciate the love as always. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great stuff right there. Gilbert Manzano, Monday Morning Quarterback, SI.com, on Twitter at gmanzano24. And, again, his piece on Max Crosby is fantastic. Fantastic. And, and look, Max is getting that kind of love, and that's good. 
right? I mean, the, the Raiders need a guy like that. Every team needs a guy like that, but the Raiders really need a guy like that that, as we mentioned and talked about quite a bit on yesterday's show, and we were talking about the standard and, uh, and, and the culture being changed, somebody that's willing to say, hey, you know what, damn it, I'm going to be the guy that's going to turn this thing around. I'm going to change. I don't have to stand in line anymore. I don't have to wait, right? I'm the guy now. And, and I respect Max for, for standing in line patiently to be that guy. But now that he is that guy, he ain't waiting for nobody. It's, it's, it's do like I do. If not, get up off the train, and we'll bring someone else in that can. And I can appreciate that. I really can. So uh, good stuff from Gilbert and great stuff from Mad Max Crosby. 320 is the time. We want to hear from you. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. As a matter of fact, we got a ton of text that I'd like to get to. As a matter of fact, i got a couple minutes I can get to some real quick. This was from the 707. So I want to see how the young defensive line wrecks things. I would like to see the depth we have on the, uh, on the positions, and that includes Kuntz, a solid rotation along the line helping Crosby, who won't come out of the game, would be a great situation. Problem is, being in the Bay Area, I fear we won't get to see any of it because Raiders preseason is frustratingly just not aired in the area anymore. Thanks. Great question today. That's from the 707. And that stinks. That stinks that, uh, you know, it's not aired like it should be. Uh, that's pretty awful. And so I know that there's multiple ways to, to hear the game if you can't see it. Used to do like my dad. My dad used to take me out of the area. You know, my dad used to get me in the car on game day when we, they had that stupid blackout rule. Remember that where the stadium had to be sold out before you can actually see it on TV with, in, in town? And I was like, that's the dumbest rule. If it's sold out, I ain't got to watch it on TV. I'll already be at the game, you big dummy. But, uh, yeah, that was just – it was so frustrating. But my dad would get me in the car – and we literally drive so we were out of the area, and then all of a sudden we sit at a pizza spot and watch the game. That was one of the greatest things, and he didn't know that it was one of the greatest things that he ever did. But, you know, when things stick in your mind, you'll never forget it. That kind of extra effort, which is probably more extra effort than I've ever given in my life, <laughs> I was just saying, probably is more extra effort than I've ever given, is awesome. I mean, it really is. I mean, just to, to know, he knew how much I wanted to watch the game, so he's like, yeah, let's go drive to... I don't know, we'll drive to Sacramento or wherever the case may be to go see the game. And I know that 707 area code, that's the Valley Joe. That's, uh, that's out there. That's close to – that's on the way, right? You're on your way to, what, Marine World? Is Marine World still out there in Vallejo? Ari's like, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know your theme parks? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Just I saying. don't. You know me. I'm not adventurous. What do I know about theme parks? I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, the 707, man, we used to go out there. We used to have some family that uh, lived out there in Vallejo, so we used to go out there quite a bit. Uh, shout out to Mac Dre and all them cats, right? Uh, who, uh, E-40 from the 707. Yeah, man, we can go on, on and on and on, man. But, uh, yeah, there's that. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about the TV broadcast, but you know you can always listen to uh, Raider broadcast on the radio on, on Compass Media. Uh, that's the official partner. I know a lot of people hit me up during the games like, you I'm trying to listen to the radio, and I can't, I can't get the game. Well, locally, it's, it's, I mean, it, you can hear it on the radio here locally, but it's blacked out from a distance. Like, it can't – it's just the NFL thing. It's not a us thing. It's the NFL thing. They've got their uh, – you know, they've got their geofence, I think is what they call it, where you're allowed to hear it to, except to a certain extent, and then it's a wrap. So uh, that's, not, that's not on us. That's just, that's just the NFL being greedy and, and doing what they do. Uh, it was funny though, Ari. One time, I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, what game it was, but it was like a big time game. And you know that you know for the most part, games aren't supposed to be streamed. You know that that aren't in the local area. Well, my dad, who lives in Wyoming right now, he was trying to listen to a playoff game. So whatever local radio station he has there, he he just clicked on it just for s's and giggles to see if he can listen to it, and it streamed. And so he called me and he was like, "Man, I don't know if this is supposed to happen." But I listened to the whole playoff game on this radio station. 
And I was like, yeah, that was supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody forgot to turn the turn the uh, you know turn For the streamer real. off. It's yeah. often the exact opposite. I mean, like I, I hear all different sports too. By the way, it's, it's usually somebody freaking out about why they can't see this game or that game. So right, that I mean, sounds like somebody's. Well, job that's to a me. big time fine, right? I mean, if you if you basically it's 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 almost like pirating something. So if you illegally stream it, then that's you could be in some big time trouble. So when he told me that, I was like, yeah, probably shouldn't tell anybody that loud. <laughs> Not that it matters to him. I mean, he's you know he ain't got to pay for it. But whatever whatever station that was that he was listening to locally or attempted to listen to locally on and and, and streaming at the same time, yeah, that wasn't the business. That Oops. was not where <laughs> that was not a good decision. So there's that. Uh, okay, Raider Chavez said, "Q, I know where you're not coming. I know where you're not coming to Sacramento. I'm from Sac and had to go to Chico to watch the games. Okay, well, look, I was a little kid." I couldn't tell you exactly where we went to, to watch the games, but it was far. I remember it was a really far drive, and uh, I want to say, I thought it was Sacramento, but maybe it was a little bit far. Uh, Robin Oakland said, in the Bay, Cron 4 is showing the game tomorrow because they don't have NFL games. They seem to have gravitated to showing preseason Raider games. Their postgame hosts are unprepared, unorganized, and poorly directed, however. That's Robin Oakland. I, I kind of know, I think I know a couple of those, those guys uh, there at Cron 4 in the Bay, and so that's cool. What's his name is still there, right? Vern? Is it Vern still there at, uh, at at Channel Four? I want to say he's at maybe he's at Channel Five. I can't remember, but uh, he was just here the other day, last week when the Raiders and the Niners had their joint practices. He walked into the media room, and I was like, "Damn, Vern's been around forever!" Like that's that's the guy. I remember growing up seeing Vern on TV. So uh, I can't remember if he's on four or five, but he was just here uh, in town. Uh, Banker Jay said, "Q, I believe the Raiders app will stream for free since it's preseason." I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not too sure. You could test 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 it out, but I'm not 100% positive. Uh, Mailman Raider said, Q, they changed the name to Discovery Kingdom, but I still call it Marine World, LOL. What? Marine World's not called Marine World anymore? Discovery Kingdom? What is that all about? That doesn't even sound – that don't even sound like that goes in the same kind of theme, right? Marine World was Marine World. Like, that's that's where you go for Shamu and all them, you know, the whales and the dolphins and – Discovery Kingdom sound like something I saw on Animal Planet. What's really going on? That's boo. Thumbs down for Discovery Kingdom. I'm glad I don't live there no more. Oh. I would have I'd have put my thumb down a long time ago. Got to be open to change, Q. Come on. No, 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 no. Change no. the culture. You know all the change I needed in the Bay was the 49ers playing in Great America. They're literally playing football in Great America. That, their parking lot is literally Great America. So when they have those faithful to the Bay shirts, are they? <laughs> are they really? Faithful to great America is what it really is. 3.26 is the time. Ted Wynn from The Athletic will join us next. It's Radio Radio 920. Oh, yeah. They're very teachable. We have a really good group of guys, especially in the O-line room. Um, everybody wants to learn. Everybody's eager. Uh, this offense, it's an awesome system. It has an answer for everything. So it's just the more reps you get in it, the better you're going to be at it. So we just need those reps together. And uh, that's, like, again, you know, it sounds cliche, but that's the point of training camp is, like, to get reps together. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. That's the old Wiley veteran right there. GVR is what I like to call him. Greg Van Roten, offensive lineman, talking about the new cats, the young cats along that offensive line and the work that they're putting in to try to get up to NFL speed. We got a guest coming up in just a quick second. Before we get to our guest, who is patiently waiting for us, I wanted to address this text real quick on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r I was talking about Marine World in the Bay, and my mailman, Raider, he uh, hit us up and said, they changed the name to Discovery Kingdom. And I was like, what? 
I know I've been out of the loop for a minute, but I couldn't believe that they changed the name to Discovery Kingdom. And then we got a response from the 209. They don't have whales no more, Q, so they changed the name. What in the world is Marine World without whales? Well, that's why they changed the name. So, anyway, I, now I'm glad I know. Now I'm up to speed. So, thank you, Mailman Raider, and thank you, my guy from the 209, for getting me up to speed. Join us now on the phone lines, who always catches me up on everything I need to know, is our good friend Ted Wynn from The Athletic. And, Ted, thanks so much for your time. And, Ted, you, you got those Bay Area roots. Did you know that Marine World wasn't Marine World anymore? No, I, I had no idea, honestly. But I've never been to Marine World, and I actually support freeing the whales. So, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not too mad about it. All right. Well, I, I haven't been to Marine World since I was a kid, and apparently it's not that anymore because, well, they don't have any whales. So there you go. Good for them. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll find my way to Discovery Kingdom <laughs> at some point. <laughs> but speaking of discoveries, you were out there at Raiders and Rams joint practices, and I always think that, that teams get a lot of work in when they have those joint practices. This is the second week in a row the Raiders have done this last week with San Francisco. How much work do these teams get, in your opinion? How much positive work do they get in when they have these joint practices? I think they get a ton of work in. Um, and, you know, I think that they're replacing basically playing your starters in the preseason for a reason because, you know, one, you get to you get to run whatever plays you want because reporters aren't allowed to write about these plays or, you know, record when they're in 11-on-11. 11 11. So you don't have to worry about putting anything on film for other teams to see. Uh, and, two, it, it, it's just a more controlled environment as far as, you know, you, you, you could have your starters play, but – it's not a full take it, you know, take them to the ground type of uh, environment. So you, there's less of an injury risk there, but you're still getting uh, starters out. So um, you also could talk to other coaches, get the looks you want. You know, I think this is a ton of benefits from these joint practices, which is why the, the league is trending uh, towards these joint practices. Well, Tyree Wilson, the Raiders' first-round pick, number seven overall, he hadn't participated in any training camp action until Wednesday. That was the first day he was activated. He didn't participate, like, going up against the Rams, but he was out there. What, what did you see from the, the young man who is obviously a big man? Yeah, you know, it, it, it was good to see him out there, but it was just the very start of his ramp-up period. Uh, he just basically did bag and sled drills and then – uh, didn't really participate in anything else. You know, he didn't do any one-on-ones. He wasn't part of the team scrimmages and all that. Uh, but it was good to see him out there. And he certainly looked the part. I mean, you know, you can't teach that length. Just freaky long arms, extremely tall size. Um, and, you know, he, he was working the sleds, and you could tell he's one of the, the stronger guys because you could, you, could, you could see who, who's really pushing that sled out of the way. And, and, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't, obviously hitting a sled doesn't mean you're going to be a good player, but it's just good to see how, that he, he's one of the guys that could just effortlessly move the sled. But he was getting coached up on getting his hands up quicker, and that's one of the issues he had while he was at Texas Tech. It's just not you know, inconsistent hand placement. And that's one of the things he really needs to hone in on in order to be an effective NFL player. So we saw a little bit of that with the sleds, and that's just something that he's going to have to continue to work through. Uh, but as far as seeing him against other players, full contact, we didn't see that quite yet. As far as the hand placement goes that you were mentioning, is that something that you feel like could be coached out of him or coached into him, I guess, to get his hands up quicker, or is that just something that could be one of his issues that he has moving forward? No, I definitely think that's a coachable thing to do. You know, he has that athleticism to do it. It's just, it just has to be ingrained in him and uh, just trained over and over with reps and drills and, uh, and that sort of deal. So, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why the Raiders wanted to draft him high because he's a ball of clay with a lot of – tools that you can't teach 
and also his negatives are things that can be coachable. That's important. That really is. Ted Wynn from The Athletic is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness talking about Tyree Wilson. Would that be to you his biggest hang-up in his transition from the college game playing in the Big 12 and he hasn't played since November to trying to transition to the NFL? Or do you see a couple other areas that need uh, some, some addressing as well? Um, you know, he, he's not the bendiest guy. I think he has good bend for a guy of his size. But, you know, you're, 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 I mean, obviously you're not going to have a guy that's 270 pounds, you know, Ben like Max Crosby. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he, he, you know, he's more of a power bull rusher, but that's just who he is. And we've seen superstar players that have that same skill set as well. And, um, yeah, just as far as his hand placement and just getting a rush plan and just kind of finding a couple of moves that you could really perfect and build your entire game off of will be as a challenge for Tyree. Does it feel like to you that he's one of those guys that they're they're not going to rush, right? They're just going to kind of bring him along slowly and let him develop at his own pace since they have Max and they have Chandler, and those two guys, those veterans, could help teach the young man as well. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they certainly don't have to rush him because they, you know, it's not like they are desperate to find a starter opposite of Max, like you said. They have Chandler Jones. You know, Matthew Koontz has really stepped up. And he's kind of the third rusher right now as far as what I see from camp uh, because Chandler Jones didn't practice against the Rams, uh, and Koontz was the guy that was starting opposite of uh, of uh, Crosby. So, you know, right now I think Koontz is having a good camp, and he, he's kind of, um, you know, if he plays well, then it gives even more time for Tyree. They don't have to, to rush him in as quickly as um, some other teams have to rush in their, their first-round picks. That's really good news about Koontz, I'll tell you, because early in camp, you know, we weren't seeing much from him, but to hear that he's doing well, especially in these joint practices, that's really good. If the Raiders could get one more guy to be that edge rusher and even come on on special downs, that's that's a big deal. Ted, sticking with the defensive side of things, I, I, I've been saying that I felt like Marcus Epps hasn't been talked about enough. How much, as a veteran that played in the Super Bowl last year with the Eagles, how much do you think he could help provide uh, for that Raiders defense? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, it, with the secondary and with coverages, it's all about communication. And I think just having that veteran leader that that knows where everybody's supposed to be, that knows all the checks and is able to get everybody in the right place is going to be huge, especially for a young player like uh, Trayvon Morig, who, you know, you, if you take some of the, the thinking and stuff off his plate, he could play faster and just uh, play more instinctively. So I think Epps provides that for the secondary provides that for young players like Morig. And when you know, you could just think less and kind of have that veteran to put you in the right place. You know, for now, obviously, you you know, later down the line, you, you want more leadership overall from the secondary. But for a younger secondary that might have a rookie starter, Morig is in, you know, just coming to his third year, having that solid veteran presence is, is, is a huge boost for them. Speaking of veteran presence, Marcus Peters is, is one of those cornerbacks. He's a, across from Jacorian Bennett if Jacorian does get the start. What does he bring to the table, especially with his ability to get his hands on the ball? I mean, it's just offseason right now, but he's got a – I don't know how many interceptions. I think I saw somebody post that he had five interceptions already, and he just joined um, the Raiders. So, you know, that ball hawk ability is definitely real. You know, he, he knows how to beat quarterbacks into throws. He, you know, he, he knows – concepts he's able to recognize routes uh so, so all those things are are you know teachable too you know hopefully he could impart that on to bennett and some of the other cornerbacks but i mean you know as we've known the raiders have struggled to 
create turnovers for years. So Mm -hmm. if he's able to provide that, it'll be a a, a spark this defense needs. What about the young guy, Ja'Korian Bennett? Did you see anything that stood out to you uh, from him at at Raiders camp? Yeah, you know, I just saw, you know, I didn't watch him specific, but every time I saw him and every time I honed in uh, on watching him, I was just very impressed by his, his length and his speed. You know, he's very patient because he knows he has the speed to uh, to, to recover if he needs to or to turn and run with the receiver uh, so he could sit on routes. Um, and like I said, every time I, I, I watched him, he had almost perfect coverage uh, on the receiver that he was covering. Granted, the Rams' receiving corp is not very talented, especially without Cooper Cup, who's injured right now. And he was practicing a little bit more with the second team uh, during these joint practices. I think they were trying to get David Long and Duke Shelley some reps. Um, and obviously, Marcus Peters has the one spot locked down. But, you know, you can't control who you, you go against, but he, he was locked down uh, whenever I watched him. Again, Ted Wynn for The Athletic is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Necessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you, and I want to flip to the offensive side of things. Uh, what did you see from Jimmy G? He's obviously still trying to build a relationship with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and even the rookie Michael Mayer. How did, how did Jimmy look? Yeah, he um, – you know, I thought he looked – it was up and down. Uh, the Rams are typically a team that play a little more conservatively coverage-wise, but um, they were playing pretty aggressive coverage, trying to challenge the Raiders receivers. And in order to beat those coverages, you know, you want to punish these teams deep. And, you know, obviously a deep ball is not one of Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, strengths. So there were a lot of underthrows, a lot of kind of patting the ball, holding the ball, which is what lead to sacks into games. Um, they were a little bit more efficient the second day. They had some more answers for those types of coverages that weren't just going deep. Uh, but that's going to be a challenge for the the Raiders and Devontae Adams. We, we know Adams can win deep, uh, but somebody has to get him the ball deep. And that's going to be a challenge throughout the season. It's not something that Garoppolo is just automatically going to get better at. Um, so we'll see how many answers they have uh, aside from going deep against aggressive types of coverages. Final question for you, Jacoby Myers. Uh, he's, he's, to me, had a really good camp. What is it about Jacoby? I mean, what do you see on film that just allows him to get open all the time? He's a great route runner, um, you know, very sudden, very nuanced, and I think he understands timing very well. He understands where he needs to be for the quarterback uh, when the quarterback's ready to throw. And, you know, I thought he had really strong 11-on-11 sessions, and he was one of the reasons why the Raiders offense was a lot more efficient in, in that second day because he was able to get open against single coverage when you know Adams was getting a lot of attention. Uh, so I, I was pretty impressed by him, and he's just a very reliable receiver. It's going to be um, it's going to be a, a really needed number two type of option in this offense. That's what I think. I think that, you know, because he in New England for the longest was just about the number one wide receiver. The Raiders have a number one in Devontae. I think life's going to be a lot easier for Jacoby and even Hunter, right? I, I know I said that was the final mm-hmm. question, but how about Hunter? What would you see from Hunter Renfro? Uh, you know, in 11-11 sessions, the Raiders weren't going to Hunter Renfro as much. But I heard during 7-on-7 seven seven and, and one on one he was just, like, dusting guys. So, um, he had good sessions in, in those types of drills, uh, but 11-11 he was getting open. You know, there's a few times where he should have got the ball, but he didn't get the ball. But I mean, you know, it's not the quarterback's fault. They threw it to Devontae, and Devontae made plays. <laughs> right. Uh, but but he was getting open. You know, in 11-11, and reportedly uh, in those seven-on-seven and one-on-one sessions, he was just dusting guys. 
Nice. I like it. I like it. Well, it sounds like, and I've seen Hunter uh, have a really good training camp so far, Jacoby the same. And, yeah, if you have Devontae Adams and you throw it to him and not someone else, I, I, I kind of understand because Devontae is pretty good. Well, Ted, fantastic stuff, man. What are you working on for The Athletic or even uh, maybe even YouTube that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, well, right now I'm working on an article about how to properly judge one-on-one reps because, you know, we see on Twitter everybody's posting – uh, these training camp one-on-ones, and um, sometimes we see a lot of bad comments on them. You know, people not knowing what to look for and, and just overjudging them. So I, I talked to a couple NFL guys about what they look for in these one-on-one sessions. Uh, so that should be coming out in the athletic next week. Nice. I like that. That's good stuff. I always I watch the one-on-one drills. I love the one-on-one drills, but as a defensive guy, I always say they're set up for the offense. <laughs> so Exactly. I, <laughs> exactly. So, Ted, great stuff, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate y'all. Look for that piece, and we'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ted Wynn from The Athletic right there on Twitter at FB underscore Film Analysis. And, yeah, I say that all the time. One-on-one drills are set up for the offense. They're not set up for the defense. They're set up for the offense. So there's that. One more text, and then we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with some Jimmy G sound plus your text and calls as well. This is funny. We're still talking about uh, Marine World and Discovery Kingdom, and this has been awesome. This is why I say stuff, because sometimes if I don't know, Raider Nation is going to educate me. Raider Nation is going to learn me, and I appreciate that. Uh, Raider Chavez in the 916 Sacramento, California, said, It's Six Flag Discovery Kingdom. It's a theme park now with roller coasters, not the marine stuff anymore. What in the world is going on? That used to be the spot. Like, you used to go to Great America for the roller coasters, and you go to Marine World for the animals. Now it's like you're going to Roller Coaster South, and you're going to Roller Coaster Vallejo. <laughs> I mean, like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? I'm so, I'm so out of the loop. I'm, I'm learning, though. Now, let me ask you this, and then we'll take a break. Is the Oakland Zoo still there? Are we still good with the Oakland Zoo? My boy Corey actually got married at the Oakland Zoo. And I know that sounds funny. It sounds hilarious, but he got married at the Oakland Zoo. They got this room called the Snow Room, but Corey's a big dude, right? He looks like Faze on Love. Like, he looks like Big Worm from Friday. So, so when, he, when he told me he was getting married at the zoo, you, you can only imagine the jokes that I had for him, right? Needless to say, he's not married anymore. 346 oh. is the time. We'll come back, get your calls, your texts, and some sounds from Jimmy G. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Always taking your calls and texts, 702-365-9200. Don'tbebroke.com, text sign 69187. Keyword R&R. You can always hit us with your feedback. We've been asking the question, who or what are you focused on tomorrow in preseason game number two versus the Rams? And also, could it be an advantage this year that nobody has high expectations for this Raiders team? You can also hit us up on Twitter at R&R 920 AM at RE Produces. That's A-R-I Produces and at your boy Q254. Jesse actually did just that. Hit me up on Twitter and said, Q, this is how I watched the game last weekend. It should work again. Hashtag R&R. It's on Raiders.com, and apparently there's a red bar that says watch live game. So there's that. So shout out to Jesse, who uh, is chiming in, trying to help out a fellow uh, member of Raider Nation. Watch the game coming up tomorrow. Uh, Raiders.com. Watch live game. If it doesn't uh, show in your area, maybe that'll work for you like it worked for Jesse. Jesse, thanks so much for that tweet. I do appreciate you, Raider James. Hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. For game two, I'd like to see, one, 
Aiden O'Connell launched a 60-yard bomb on first down to a receiver who does not break stride and takes it to the house. Two, Michael Mayer catching a few balls and throwing some blocks. Three, the offense continues to get the plays in on time and execute. And four, the defense continues to improve from last week. Test our guys with more press man if we can. That's from Raider James. And I really like number three and number four. The offense continue to get the plays in on time and execute. That is so important. So important. Like, that is something that's got to be done. There's nothing that's more frustrating than sitting there watching the game and seeing the, the, the clock just tick, 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 tick. And you're like, snap the ball, snap the ball, snap the ball, snap the ball, dummy. Like, that's, that's how it goes down in my house. Like, I start yelling at the TV, and the wife's like, oh, damn. We've reached that level. But, it's, I mean, it's real. Like, you, you've got to be able to get that play call in quickly, especially with a guy like Aiden O'Connell, who's – this is the first couple times he's doing it. So he's got to get that experience. He's got to get lathered up. He's got to be able to understand the play call. And this is where getting it between the ears, something that he's been praised about. He has been praised about having it upstairs. That's where this helps is having it upstairs between the ears, is being able to hear the call and, send the, and, and get the call out to the, the guys in the huddle and then, boom, get them to the line of scrimmage, get them lined up, survey the field, and boom, let's go. That, that's not an easy task. We do it outside. We do it on Madden, but this is not Madden. It's the NFL, and it's very difficult. Just if you heard Tua just the other day, I know Ari played it the other day, but if you hear Tua trying to recite a, 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 a play call to the media, was like, all right, repeat after me, and then he's rattled it off. Da, 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 da. Like, that's not easy. So Aiden O'Connell as a rookie has to do that. Jimmy G has to do that. Brian Hoyer has to do that. Chase Garbers, they have to do that. I want to see that happen pretty quickly, and then that's when you know that they're understanding things. Lois Cali Raider, you're up. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Q? How you doing? I'm chilling, man. I'm blessed. Hey, man, so two things I'm looking forward to in this Rams game is um, I got to say this from the defense, you know. I like it when we interrupt the pass and stuff like that, but we got to make sure we either come up with it or we bat it down so we don't have those situations that we had like in the end zone with the 49ers. <laughs> yeah. You know, and another thing too is I want to see these guys wrap them up. You know, they come in tackling with the shoulder and they get their hit, but they don't bring them down. And I just want to see them wrapping up the, the, the receiver, whoever it is that gets the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm the first guy that makes contact, you know, because those yards at the reception that they be getting because we don't be making the tackle. It, it, it killed us last season and previous seasons before that. So that's two things I really want to see this next game coming up. Thank you for taking my call. Great stuff, man. Great stuff. And I'll say this, fundamentals. That's what you're talking about, fundamentals, right? Duke Shelley had his hands on the ball. The ball was right all the way in his belly, and he couldn't hold on to it, and he popped it up in the air, and the 49ers got it in the end zone for a touchdown. That can't happen. One, he shouldn't have to bat it down, right? He should have had that interception. You got to come up with that. When it's in your bread basket, you ought to get that. He didn't, and it, got, it landed right in the arms of the 49ers for a touchdown. That really can't happen, but it did. Amari Bernie, he put one on the ground. He had his hands on it. He put it on the ground, but – and it almost resulted in points for the 49ers, but if you remember on that drive, the kicker missed the field goal. So that's good. But those, that, those are points right there. That's just about 10 points that the Raiders gave up because they didn't make the play. And you're right. With the call, it comes to wrapping up, so many times you see guys, and I like the fact they're trying to punch the ball out, but you see them trying to punch the ball out and trying to punch the ball out and trying to punch the ball out instead of wrapping up and then trying to punch the ball out. They've got to be able to do that. Ray, uh, Lois Cali Raider, great call. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.